absolutely ridiculous. So a quick recap on today's match. Uh, obviously, you uh, saw so I didn't get the result, I didn't get the win. And I'm obviously quite disappointed uh, with my performance a little bit. Um, but it just seems to be the case for me every season. You know, at the beginning, I just don't feel like I go into the season playing at my best, playing my 100%. I just, you know... <laughs> Uh, try to get into it uh, one match at a time. Uh, even though I already played in Manchester, I played a few matches and I kind of felt like I was getting into it. Uh, today the conditions were a bit different. Um, the court was so windy and there are some really funny bounces on there. There were some traffic issues, there were some you know, questionable decisions, so uh, it had it all. So, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not so happy about it, but uh, I need to forget about what happened and and regroup for the for the upcoming matches. I'm still in the tournament. I want to qualify to the semis, and all I need to do is just come up with a better plan and uh, adapt to the situation a lot better and win the next two matches. Um yeah, I don't think there is a lot to say about about today's match. I uh I'm I'm like on a positive note, I'm just glad that I didn't continue on playing as bad as I was in the first game. Uh I got into the match a little bit. Like it's better better late than never. Um the second game I think I turned it around quite well. And I was overall playing a bit better, even throughout the third game. I just can't believe the two misses towards the end at 9-0 and 10-9. I just, I can't believe what happened, but it's it's just part of the game. I have to adapt and deal with it. Um, hopefully, hopefully, but after tomorrow's practice, I'll get more used to it, to the conditions. Uh, I I couldn't see the ball quite well also which was a challenge at the beginning like with the volleys i couldn't see it. it maybe it was too bright for me i don't know it was just you know a matter of getting used to the whole setup and the conditions and i think i think the more matches i play the the more used to the court i'll get um i'm i'm quite hopeful that next after tomorrow my next match i'll play a lot better and um yeah I have to keep uh, pushing. Um, apart from the squash, uh, you know, we're living the bubble life. Um, I had a very regular day. I don't like. I spend most of my time, most of the time, in my room. Uh, but it's it's a bit easier this tournament. We have more spaces that we can spend our times. We have a nice terrace. We could sit next to the pool. We have like designated areas where we can, you know, sit and be at the same time safe and away from people. Um, so that's nice. We get sunny weather. It was a bit too hot today, <laughs> but overall we get nice weather and we can spend more time breathing fresh air and not just confined to our rooms, which is a which is a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to. Uh, 
to what this week has in store for me. Talk to you guys tomorrow or after tomorrow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Around the Course Squash podcast. That was Tarek Moment you just heard there post his match with Joel Mackin. You can hear the pain in his voice. Fellas, how you doing? All good here. <laughs> yeah, all good. Been able to watch quite a bit of quite a bit of the squash so far. So um, lots to talk about. Let's dive straight into Tarek's match. Uh, obviously, he was very frustrated, upset with his performance. He felt he could have played a lot better. Uh, one interesting stat just before we get into it. That's, that's the third time in a row Joel Macon has beaten Tarek. But the last time Joel beat Tarek in Egypt, Arman Tarek went on to become world champion. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Not in Egypt, though. The next true. event. The next event. But, I mean, it, it's not it was a different event. I mean, he got knocked out in Egypt and he couldn't play until the next event. That's the beauty of this one. So what you're saying is that you're already making your prediction for the Egyptian Open next week. <laughs> no, I was thinking that maybe <laughs> maybe Tarek can bounce back and get in a winning streak and win the rest of his matches. This is a it's a loss of destiny. <laughs> Possibly. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, good news for Tarek. I mean, we did say one of the great things about this tournament is that it's the only event on the tour where you get the opportunity to bounce back straight away and and you can come back um, and win. The remaining matches and win the tournament. So, uh, big match for him tonight. He's playing Paul Cole, so he obviously needs to win that to keep keep himself in in the hunt. But yeah, I guess we'll find out soon enough. I think they, they both need to win, as uh, Paul lost to Marwan last night. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, and Tarek looked uh, a bit frustrated with the court conditions at times, and. Um, it's been a little bit of a theme in a lot of these matches. Uh, and I just felt like, you know, you could, you could see it. But the other thing that I've noticed is just like, there generally is one player who's handling the, the stress of the court or the stress of, uh, there was some tricky refereeing and was it that match? There's been some, there's been some really dodgy refereeing in some of these matches as well. And um, the play, there is, like I, I saw it last night in Rosner as well. He was just able to use Diego's frust- frustration against him. And I thought Macon did a pretty good job against Tarek to just not let him get confident again. So used, um, used some of that frustration uh, to hurt him there. But I've noticed that in some of these, some of these matches where the court or the ref is bothering one player, the other player is able to kind of step up, step up and use that. Yeah, I think the court's definitely been a factor so far this week. We've heard a few of our audio diary uh, guests refer to it, but um, there's a couple of issues, I think. One is the the heat and temperature. So, I mean, they've spoken about the heat. I didn't actually realize how hot it was, but I looked it up. In the first two days, Cairo had a high of 39 and 38 degrees, which for Americans is over 100 degrees Fahrenheit on both days. I think by the time they play in the evening, it's dropped to maybe... 32, 33 when they start, but that's still in the 90s. Um, and you, certainly the first evening, you could see the wind. Um, There's a good camera angle from the front of the court where there's actually a tree in the back behind the stand, and you can kind of see the, the tree blowing around. Um, you can see it on the, on the female players when, on their skirt, sort of blowing around in between points. So I think the wind's a factor. Um, 
there's obviously some issues with the court. It almost looks like the, some of the panels haven't been lined up straight. I don't know if it's an older court, but the ball seems to like shoot out or skid or, yeah, there's a lot of funny bounces and strange things going on. It even looks on that left wall and that floorboard that's kind of at the back of the service box that if you hit that, it might just like shoot off weirdly, almost like warped. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of cool court um, backdrops and, um, you know, don't mind there being some, uh, there's obviously going to be some variation in, in the way courts play when you stick them outside, but I remembered some other tournaments as well. I think there was one in San Francisco because of like the fog that the court was really slippery and, and misty and stuff as well. And it just, yeah, it doesn't go well with squash you know like it's it's not tennis it, you, you don't have it it's just such a different surface and and the glass courts also have a slippery slipperier floor than um your traditional indoor court as is in my opinion like the sweat the sweat drops actually stay on that that style floor um a lot longer than they do on on kind of the the traditional courts don't you think yeah they, they yeah. do I mean, I remember they had issues in Egypt previously, not at this tournament, but up in Elguna um, with the floor. And I, I think it was Will Strott was playing and one of his matches had to be transferred back to the sort of club court nearby. Um, and I think he ended up winning that, but then he, the next day he came back and played the final, I believe against Rami, and he had to concede the match because just he felt unsafe and wasn't willing to risk injury. And it's unfortunate for the players because they're put in a position where they can't show how skillful they are. Um, I've probably seen more frames and mishits in this tournament than you would in a normal season. Um, and it just doesn't reflect well on the players, but there's also not that much that can be done. Yeah, I, I missed some of the matches during the day because I was squishing, but um, I I rewatched uh, Norel Shabini just because she's my pick, so I needed to needed to get a good good look at uh at what we're working with and she looks super strong and watching her move i mean i've watched her quite a bit did did you guys i thought she's moving the best i've ever seen her how strong her lunge was on the backhand side and just like recoiling to the t i mean it reminded me of uh adam sandler and billy madison when he shows up on the <laughs> playground to play dodgeball and was just like now you're all in big big trouble <laughs> I mean, the racket skills are outrageous. She has, I, I find she reads the game and understands kind of the, the timing and how to, how to make her, how to make, like she just made Gohar wait just long enough to then, then really stop her movement and hurt her, change directions on her. And it just looks so effortless. I mean, if she's moving the way she was, uh, she's my pick for the year. I don't, I don't know how much she's going to lose. Yeah, I think she went out there with a point yesterday as if to say, you know what, you might be number one, but that's my spot. Uh, that, that's it's kind of what such I got. It's such a good underdog pick by me, I mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah of very, you, I think. I think yeah, yeah, I got her you, as well. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call her an underdog, so I wasn't going to get in that bandwagon. That's a bold move going for that four-time world champion. How did hey, you? I mean, to go against the world number one is always always a tough move, right? But that's just that's, yeah. Well, I think we all went against the, the current <laughs> world number one. Yeah, yeah. Although so far, 
Well, certainly on the basis of that performance last night by Shabini, it's looking like a good pick. Um, but, I mean, Shabini is, in my opinion, the best player in the world. Certainly for the last two or three years, it's been her and Raneem, and now that Raneem's re- retired, um, there's no real doubt that when she's fit and healthy and playing like she is right now, that I don't think it really matters how well the other girls play on their day. If she's playing well, she's going to be tough to beat for any of them. And uh, the other thing that I found quite interesting is that she's been generally wearing strapping on her leg for the last sort of 12 months, I would say. Um, and this is even before lockdown, obviously, but doesn't appear to be any strapping or movement looks on point. And yeah. It's really hard to see who's going to beat her based on what I've seen so far. Yeah. She looks very much at ease out there. 22 Hold minutes up. in two games. That's what you've seen so far. And that's enough. although i mean i i picked out tayeb and she's only played one so far against amanda and she looked pretty good as well but um yeah she'll have a couple of big tests to come and and so you, you mentioned you guys mentioned that the court started to look because the court looked perfectly fine when they were playing i i watched the replay so you guys mentioned and then I also caught the end of the Diego Rosner match, which anyone who saw saw how angry Diego was. Um, he tried to break the court with his racket <laughs> um, when he slipped there. But he, you He's know, a he, was clear, he was clearly just so so angry. Obviously, coming off I think a hamstring injury that kept him out and kept him not at his best for so long, um, and so. And, and Rosner, that was another example of just kind of like staying tough and using it against him. But but what what about those matches in between? Did you see the court gradually getting worse? Yeah, the court generally was better yesterday, certainly earlier on in the evening. Um, the first three, probably three or four matches seemed to play quite well. Um, the Farag-Gawad match, which was really high quality, you could see Farag struggling a little bit and wiping his feet regularly between points but it didn't massively affect the quality of the squash it was probably the best match I've seen so far this week hmm. um, although the, the best single performance apart from Shabini on the men's side the best single performance I've seen would be Marwan who was my pick for this, the whole week so you just had to th- throw that in there didn't you yeah I did <laughs> um, and we can talk about him in a second but he was exceptional against Paul Cole no um, but overall, I thought the court was better yesterday. And then I don't know if it was a case of, uh, I mean, Rosner is known as quite a heavy sweater and Diego's shirt was absolutely soaked in sweat throughout the match. Um, so I don't know if it was a case of two big guys, heavy sweaters. I also think these court conditions where the floor gets slippy affect taller players a lot more than the, the smaller guys. The big guys tend to take bigger strides, bigger lunges, so their feet are a bit more separated. So it's more they're more prone to slipping and sliding. Yeah, they bear more weight on the foot when they're moving. So they're, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the smaller guys tend to be relying on foot speed to get to the ball quickly, but their feet don't actually separate. So their feet, their center of balance or their center of mass is much much more evenly distributed between their feet. So there's not quite as much. Uh, risk of them losing their balance and the bigger you are the harder you fall and all that good stuff <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and, and at that temperature 
at, you know, at that temp, you could be sweating through your shoes a little bit too. Right. I mean, so yeah, yeah. that doesn't help um, when you don't even have traction inside your own shoes either. And yeah, I mean, I think it was three, three straight slips in the front left corner. And I mean, I said this over our group chat, but like, I, I totally get, you know, limiting exposure for COVID, but at the same time, when you, when it's a player safety thing, I think you can test someone, they test negative, they wear a mask and they clean up the court properly in between points whenever it's needed. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to increase the risk of, of giving anyone COVID um, if the players just kind of stand away. But yeah, if, you know, you got these super sweaty guys trying to clean up their own, their own, uh, their own mess. And they, half of them don't even put their racket down. So they're using one hand. It's just not really, it's not working. There must presumably be event staff that are inside the bubble, so to speak anyway, that could be assigned that, that responsibility. It's just hard to watch when you know that the players can't really rely on the, the court. They, they don't feel safe moving into the corners and there's so much at stake for them. Like it's not just about this tournament. It's like next week, and we've had they've had, excuse me, so long off the tour that the idea of getting a serious injury because of court conditions could be catastrophic for the old uh, for the old skyrocket, as well as season anyways. And we we haven't talked since uh, since the matches started, right? So we covered a lot of uh, day two, but how about how about day one? Another cracker with. Uh, with our audio diarist, Camille Serm and Haniel Hamami. And Camille had some, some uh, great words to, to share with us that we'll play later. But um, those, two just let, those two just match up so well. It's so fun to watch. Yeah. I almost thought they were going to have a not one-sided match because it was fairly well contested. But Camille did have a chance to close it out and win two love, which would have been a bit of a shock. I think regardless of who you took, you were probably expecting a 2-1 either way in that match. And that's the way it turned out. But yeah, Camille won the first and then lost the second 12-10. And then Hanya played really well in the third, actually. Um, didn't really give Camille, like, I thought Camille was playing well, but Hanya just got balls back and didn't really let up. Um, and then how about, uh, how about the way... Diego moved and looked against Kareem when the court, you know, wasn't in his head. Um, he just, he looked smooth. He looked strong. He looked really fit. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, I hope, I hope he kind of wipes that one clean because it'll be fun to, fun to see him play, play at that level again against Ali. They play tonight, right? Yeah. Unless they have a day off. Mm-hmm. Sure. I would say the winner goes through with that as well. Well, I mean, you can't that write whole, off. Rosner. That whole group's now set up as a straight playoff. So you've got uh, everyone in that group has one win each. Yeah. So if effectively the last two matches count as just a straight knockout. Two Ooh. winners will go through. Ooh. You love to see it. You've got <laughs> yeah. Gawad against Rosner, uh, I believe, tomorrow night. And you've got Ali against Diego tonight. That'll be a nice, that'll be a good match to watch tonight. I need Allie to win so I don't look like a chump, but I do I do like me some uh some Diego. <laughs> the Canadian connection with Mr. JP. JP. Vamos, Diego. Vamos. 
<laughs> it's great. That's the only word I know in Spanish. How about you guys? Uh, uno, uno más cerveza, por favor. Yeah, vamos. Just that's all you need to know. Vamos. Uno más. <laughs> um, we touched on Marwan earlier on. What a performance against Paul Cole. Yeah, I mean, Chris, I know we have slightly differing opinions, but but my take was that he basically just threw down the gauntlet to Paul and said, you want to rally for 50 shots? Let's go for it. I'm not going anywhere. Um, he was patient. He hit his targets in the back, and it was almost like a challenge. It's like, come on, I'll beat you at your own game. If you want to open the court up and play me at my, my game, I'll beat you that way. And it's the first time for a long time I can remember seeing Paul look frustrated and a little bit lost. If you put a ball anywhere off the wall, I'll block you out. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I picked him for the win this week, so I'm I'm not going to stand for that. Um, Yeah, no, I I did think, watching it, um, you know, I did think Paul was struggling to, to put the ball in the way he can on the straight drop. Um, you know, which, which, which is going to be his major weapon there, but yeah, no, Marwan compared to past years looks, looks super fit. He's, he's moving very, very well. And he's obviously a pure ball striker. So, um, yeah, good, good front forehand, uh, corner there. He's pretty deadly. Um, and yeah, he just can't really leave the ball. Can't leave the ball out there for him. But, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, under different conditions, we'll, we'll see them play again. And uh, I, I'm excited to uh, excited for that rematch, Stuart. The, the one thing on what you just said there about Paul not maybe attacking as much, I didn't feel like Marwan gave him many chances. Didn't really give him balls around the middle to put in his volley kills or volley drops, which he plays so well. He, he didn't open up the front of the court too often it was almost like you want to play a length game and have long rallies fine let's do it and he almost challenged Paul to take the ball in short first and then he started to try and hurt him which is quite unusual yeah his Marwan's backcourt hitting is pretty outrageous it's got like a little bit of deception to it but it's like low and quick off the racket always breaking in the right direction um yeah, t- uh, tough to find spots for sure. <laughs> no, he looked, he looked amazing. He looked great yesterday. I have to say, one thing that kind of worried. No, it didn't worry me, and it, it didn't really play any role. There was a small little issue towards the end of the second game where actually Paul won the rally, played a really good boast, which Marvin was unhappy about. And at the end of the rally, he asked the referee to review it. Now the rules state that you can't, and somehow Marwan managed to kind of manipulate and I'm sorry I'm not knocking Marwan here by the way but I'm just sort of saying as an observation you know giving out to John John didn't review it and then said okay 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 I've had enough let's just play it <laughs> like John just completely like lost the will and there was no pressure really on that I think it was 7-4 at the time and it would have gone 5-7 to Paul I mean he was still had his work cut out and there was no way like it wasn't necessarily a turning point but could you imagine if that was 9 all in the third at one game all so what what can you review though? Because you can review if they're not a hundred percent sure. That's I don't love how I don't love how sometimes the referee looks like they get bullied in to checking the video, and other times they're just like 
nope, I know it was good. I know it was good. Like, they're all really tough to call. They're all really close pickups. And sometimes they're like, no, we're not going to the video. I know it was good. And then other times they're like, yeah, video referee, can you give me the decision? I know sometimes the video people can just kind of whisper in their ear through their uh, through their headset, you know, confirm that that was good. Ooh, um, that was good. But yeah, but, like but, a but here's, here's, the th- if- here's the thing. Uh, sorry, like you can't review a ball that hits the front wall. So you can review the double bounces, Got but you. you can't review. So what Marwan was questioning was the ball he felt the ball hit the tin. Yeah, you can't, we can't review the outer court line up on the side wall either. <laughs> Which, that doesn't make sense. It's the same thing. It's out, it's down, it doesn't count. So, to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, my understanding is because they're not convinced. I mean, it's harder to do. You can see a pickup a little bit more clearly than a ball on the side wall. Um, well, I guess if they have good camera angles, you should be able to see what... They get like get like the Hawkeye. Get the US. It's sometimes the tough to, to know exactly where when it clips that. If it's traveling down that side wall, it's hard to see when exactly it touches the side wall on a camera angle. Yeah, so maybe it's a technology thing. Yeah. Technology. The other thing I was I was gonna mention was day one was all Egyptian versus non Egyptian matches. I think the, the score at the end of the day was four two in favor of the Egyptians. And we were talking amongst ourselves um, about other sports where one country basically dominates the rest of the world. Um, but it was one of the quirks of this draw is that you've, I think so far we've had eight matches between an Egyptian and a non-Egyptian, and it's currently 6-2 to Egypt. And I think there's another eight matches to come in the next two days. So we'll have a score for, for Egypt v. the rest of the world at the end of the week. But is there any other sports we can think of where one country could effectively beat the best of the rest? Gaelic football and hurling. (laughs) I said sports. (laughs) I said Gaelic football and hurling. (laughs) We we talked about it with JP a little, right? Like uh, Egypt versus the rest of the world. And I mean, I think USA basketball is... It can they can always put together an unbelievable team, but I think uh, the Olympics and whatnot, not that all the best players usually play, but um, there's enough strong international players now in basketball that it'd be really hard to say the USA is going to always win. Um, Canadian hockey, you can definitely make an argument because you know you could make you could make an extreme all-star team out of Canadian hockey players. But then when you put all the best players from the rest of the world together, it's, it's impossible to say that they would Canadian hockey would be a guaranteed win. So, um, but realistically, Egypt's shown us that, <laughs> that like they're almost a guaranteed win every, right. They win every world junior championship, every world senior championship. Um, they're winning all the major titles. It's, is there any other country that's doing this in, in other sports? The only ones I can come up with, in terms of Olympic sports were maybe badminton and table tennis for, for China. Uh, I know they're dominant in both. And I think the other sport China is quite dominant in at international level is uh, diving. So they were the only examples. Arthur, I think you mentioned potentially at one point, maybe not right now, but at one point the All Blacks rugby team might have been up, up in that category as well. Yeah, I'd say about five, six years ago. For a period that lasted about five or six years, the All Blacks were almost untouchable. Um, yep. 
Like they lost, I mean, they'd go on runs. I mean, it's, it's all relative. I mean, they'd probably play 20 games a year and they might lose one match every year. So. Yeah, so, so I'm reading here, yeah, China's, China's one. Uh, it happens every other year, the World Championships, I guess. They've won every year since 2005, and they've had the runner-up every year except for last year when a, when a, a Swedish table tennister uh, got to the final. Um, and then on the women's side, they have won, I can't even scroll fast enough, every year since 1995 with every single uh, finalist since 1995 as well. Wow. That's, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're quite as dominant in badminton, but again, I think they probably similar to Egypt. They have at least four or five players in the top 10 in the world in badminton on both sides. Um, I know what, one of the previous Olympics in the diving, which was the other sport I mentioned, I think they won something like seven of the eight gold medals available in diving as well. Wow. Huh. How well, to compete with that? Challenge, challenge out to the world this week then, right? The world, the world squashers. Well, they're 6-2 down already, so a long way back from there. <laughs> Is there enough matches to make, uh, to make it back? Yeah, just they're gonna need to make some. They're gonna need to uh, get some representation into the into the semis. That's oh cool. yeah, we've also got semis and finals to consider. But just in the group stages, there's eight more matches to come. So still to play for. Let's go, world. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So looking ahead, do we want to make any bold calls for before we close out? Who's going to get through? Well, I think we've already made our predictions. I don't think we should be changing them at this stage, but we can maybe yeah. just talk briefly about... Um, so group A, group A is a little bit more advanced for both the men and the women because they've played two matches each. Yeah. Like, like we said, the men's group A is just a straight shootout. So you've got Ali Farag against Diego tonight. Winner goes through to the semis. And then tomorrow you'll have um, Gawad against Rosner. Same Same situation. Women's side, Group A, Shubini's already through, courtesy of her two wins. Um, Sarah Jane Perry, unfortunately, is out. The podcast bump that we were hoping. But yeah. um, Gohar then plays Joel King tomorrow. And that's, again, a straight shootout. The winner will go through with Shubini. Um, group B is a little bit um, behind, obviously, because they've only played one match each. So they'll, both, they'll play their remaining two matches but it's still all to play for there. Even even the players that have lost can still easily come back and get two more wins and probably progress to the semis. Yeah. Whew. Just looking at the lineup for today. <clears throat> There's some ding dongs. <laughs> yeah, Anya think... and Amanda, Tayeb and Camille, Farag and Diego. I mean, they're yeah. all. I mean, I suppose yeah. Sorry, they're all ding dong. I mean, look, they're the best players in the world. That's just a stupid thing to say. I take that back. <laughs> That's every, also like what we said. One of the great things about this thing to say. <laughs> yeah, like, literally every match is high two top eight players in the world that could potentially be quarterfinal, semi-final, or final of a World Series event. Or a well, it could, of course it'd be quarters. It's it's eight people, man. Yeah, that's a silly thing to say. But you could, well, why don't you rephrase that? It could be like a final they of a could, World Series they could event. Be like the semi-finals of the semi-finals of a World Series. <laughs> there if, you Arthur go. Was, if Arthur was putting in his yeah. words, <laughs> semis of the top half. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's the final of the bottom half of the bottom half. 
Um, do you know, it's a little bit like, you know what? I, it's like, because I'm just reading it here. And every time I read, every day that I'm reading the, uh, you know, the line, I'm like, oh, wow, great. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, geez, I don't know who's going to win that one. Mm, that one either. It's a little bit like, do you ever walk, walk through the streets of a city like Rome or somewhere like that? And you look left, you're like, oh, what a building. And you look right, whoa, you haven't even processed the building you've just looked at. And, you, you, and then you look ahead and just everywhere you go, it's just like, this is amazing. Yeah, reminds me of a candy shop. <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of my favorite beer store. Let Ooh, me tell you. Jelly beans. <laughs> Stout. Uh, right, well, let's, uh, let's get into the audio diaries from both Sarah Jane Perry and Camille Serm. Uh, we really appreciate it. Actually, it's, it's not always an easy thing to do, especially after a loss. Um, we really appreciate you guys like taking the time to do this. Um, yeah, legends. Uh, enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Camille Serum. Um, so first match tonight for me uh, at the World Series Finals. Lost out to Anyala Mami. Uh, 2-1, 11-7 in the third game after 51 minutes of a big battle. Again, <laughs> uh, people seem to enjoy our battles. <laughs> Glad that uh, we make pe- um, the crowd happy. Uh, no, it was a it was a tough um, tough battle again. Almost uh, almost one two love actually. Uh, it was really close in the second. I was one love up really close in the second game. Got to be honest, got a strange appeal from the. Um, uh, ref and even the review ref after that but um anyway all credit to Hanya she uh she's such a fighter and she uh she played really well in the in the last game also to to close it um so yeah no not really disappointed I I know I still have a a chance to qualify it's uh it's a pool uh tournament so um i still have a chance i have two more matches to uh to make it uh, to the semis so um, i'm happy to be playing finally after three days in cairo waiting um yeah that's it for now i'm still uh, at the hotel now recovering uh with what i had in my room and uh, watching some more squash love it <laughs> all right that's it for me have a good night and speak tomorrow bye hello again everyone so we've had the first round of matches this evening um some some really good matches in there um i was third up unfortunately i didn't manage to get the win um i think you know everyone will be saying it's quite tough conditions out there and I think Noran just you know dealt with them a little bit better than um than I did on the on the night very very warm out there somewhere around 34 degrees um centigrade when uh went out on court and a little bit of wind as well um and as we all know Noran gives it a good old crank so the ball was uh, flying round the court, um, and I was just, you know, trying to do my best to control it. Really, um, you know, I was some, I was kind of in, in a split, split minds. Really, there was some decent stuff in there, but um, too many, too many errors 
for how you know even for someone who wants to attack like myself um you don't want to be hitting that many errors um and they kind of cost me cost me at the end of both games really um so that was kind of my own my own sort of performance i think there's um some other matches um a couple of upsets from diego and joel um over in the egypt versus the rest of the world evening as it was kind of dubbed i saw online um i think again mr mazzarella was out sunbathing all day looking um darker and darker by the minute and I think he did. I think he made it to the courts. Uh, yeah, I did see him down there. He didn't. Uh, he didn't referee my match. He may have been in the box. I'm not sure, but um, he did make it down there. And um, uh, we'll be back by the pool about six a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, so I, can't, I mean, it was kind of nice to have the crowds back. There were some deer cardboard cutouts. I think there were deer. Um, with some Waddy Degler club shirts on, which is kind of cool. And there was actually some crowd in there as well, but they're like completely separate from the players. So um, you don't kind of feel unsafe from that, um, which is kind of you know in line with local local restrictions or non-restrictions as it is. Um, but, we're, you know, the priority is to keep the players safe. So that's the main thing there. So we have you know, our own entrance and bit and different bit where we can go and there's only areas um where we're allowed and only er- and different areas where they're allowed so it's good to have a crowd in um have a bit of bit of noise and reaction um but yeah kind of tough con- tough conditions out there uh and it will yeah i think and, um we'll probably see quite a bit of scrappy squash over this week and it will be who kind of deals with that best so uh looking forward to getting back out there tomorrow playing um a bit later tomorrow so maybe it'll be a little bit cooler we'll see but it's supposed to be extremely hot tomorrow um and playing a bit later 9 p.m local time against um joel king so that should be should be a good match and i'll uh come back after that That'll do. Yeah. Smooth. 